0: Hey, this is Joseph Macenery. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. Uh, I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, you have a Bible this morning. Would you open it up? And if you have your smartphone or a tablet or... Your real actual Bible, <laughs> would you open it up as well? We're going to start off today in the book of Luke chapter 2. So you can kind of go there and, and uh, plant your, your spot. But if you love Christmas, would you just just wave your hand and say you love Christmas, right? Um, you know, if you're sitting next to your spouse or your son or your daughter, would you just give them a hug or a, a smooch on the cheek and say, Merry Christmas, baby. Right? It's, it's Christmas time. We're allowed to say, you know, hey, I, I love you, honey, whatever it is. Merry, Merry Christmas. Um, this is such a wonderful time. You know, we think of Christmas and we celebrate and everybody looks a little bit cleaner. Like they washed their hair and they showered on Christmas and all that different stuff during this month. Um, kids, we, we fill up our schedules. We get busy. We had a wonderful week here at Cornerstone we had like six, five or six, I don't even remember, we had all these productions from our school this week and they were just amazing, they were a lot of fun. I'm telling you, if, if you want to be entertained for free, you should come to our pre-K Christmas concert because these kids are anywhere from 18 months to like four years old. And I'm telling you, it was the best concert we've done, it's, it'll be better than Christmas Eve night, I'm telling you. These kids were, were singing. They were ripping their shirts off on stage. They were, um, we had to put people up here. They were ready, they were di- stage diving. They were ready to jump off their stage. They were ready to fall off the stage over here. It was really amazing. It's, it's really just such a wonderful, wonderful time. And, and sometimes I think of church, like coming to church and experiencing God's presence. I wish, um, you know, we wish life in general, if we could compare it to those seasons of life where things are just fun. Maybe your kids, they used to be young, whatever it was, things are just like the weather is good, spiritually speaking, right? Has anybody here ever been to Laguna Beach, right? How many of us would love, we would all love, that's like the the worst rhetorical question, who would love to live at Laguna Beach? Well, all of us, we would all live there if we could, right? Um, But I think of it like, man, it's always like sunny, it's always 70, 75 degrees, it's always cool at night. It's just a wonderful place to be. And sometimes I wish life or church or relationships, whatever it may be, I wish it could always just be like Laguna Beach Church, right? Like it's just always sunny and it's 75. There's never a problem. There's never a rainstorm. There's never a hurricane. There's, there's never anything. We're just enjoying each other. We're just enjoying our God. But the issue is that'll, that'll be more like what heaven is like. But the reality here on earth is we have these moments where things are just harmonious. The blessings are amazing. Things are going really, really well. And in an instant, a storm, a wave, maybe a little rainstorm or maybe a a hurricane. You know, chances are we always have people in the month of December in particular where, you know, there might be someone sitting next to you where they're literally celebrating something new. They're celebrating maybe a promotion, they're celebrating maybe a new grandchild, maybe a new child, a new, a new blessing is, 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 is in their season of life right now. And you might be sitting next to someone who just this month maybe said goodbye to a loved one, a parent, a child, a grand. There's always different things going on when God's people come together. Yet Christmas time, we talk a lot about this word joy. Turn to someone and just say joy. It's a little three-letter word that seems to come up all the time around Christmas, and we package it, we sell it. You know, if you go to downtown Summerlin, it looks good. We we talk about joy, and we we light it up. We we make these beautiful uh, beautiful ice skating rinks and a lot of things to do. But the problem with joy around Christmas time is it's actually more about being happy because of the circumstances. It's more about just, you know, it's that most wonderful time of the year, as Dave so graciously saying. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, it, it's that most wonderful time of the year. But really, once that time of the year ends, many people just go back to doing whatever they were doing before the ornaments and the decorations and the lights and everything was put up, right? The minute that tree goes back away, it's like, Oh my goodness! Culturally, we just go back to whatever it is we were doing before. The holidays can be a mixed bag for many of us. That's a good way to describe it. Sometimes we're just so excited about the holidays, and then other you might be here today, and you know the holidays remind you of something. Yet this word joy is constant. This word joy is going to be constant today. If you're with us last week, our, our message was titled Keeping Christ in Christmas. So this week we're moving from keeping Christ in Christmas to this word keeping joy in Christmas because I want to make sure that we don't mistake the joy or the happiness that's in the air at the malls or even that we hang in the church place or the beautiful candles that we light or the advertisements or the the wonderful sales. How many of you love the old what happened to like Black Friday actually being good sales? Did anybody notice that? Or Cyber Monday? What happened to all the 50% off? It like all went away this year, right? I don't know what's going on. But as we talk about joy, we see it and we hear it on the radio stations. We decorate it. But really what we're talking about is the word happiness. Today we're gonna look at the word joy and talk about what does it mean to be joyful as a follower of Jesus. Because some would say, you know, you know, are you Christians just living in denial? Is joy just a sense of, are you just, are you Christians just trying to escape the reality? Are you just, is it just Christian escapism? Or is joy something else? Do we even need joy? And if we do, why is joy so important? Well, let's look at what it means today, and I hope to leave you with a sense of encouragement that we can be joyful no matter what season of life or storm you are currently navigating. Luke chapter 2, would you open your Bible and let's look. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken in the entire Roman world. Let's skip ahead. And everyone went to their own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee and Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and she placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. And here is this last line. Would you finish off verse 10 with me? Can we read this together? Sing it, say it out loud. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So do we hear that? I want, to, I want you to say, say it with me. Good news. You ready? Good news that will cause, and then say these two words: great joy, great joy. We're not talking about a little bit of joy, right? A little bit of joy, a little bit of happiness. We're talking about great joy. Our faith is—it's it's one that, like the most songs have been written about Christmas. Our faith, of all the faiths in the world, uh, is the most joyous, is the most joyful faith. It's a celebration. It's a party. I, what comes to mind? Maybe just say it to your spouse. What comes to mind when you think of the word? um, When what what comes? What what is something that makes you happy? That's a better way to say it. Would you tell someone next to you if you what? What makes you happy? Right? Like the Bruno Mars song. I love that song because I'm happy. What is something that makes you happy? What do you delight in? It could be that you know what? I am really happy that the Raiders play at one o'clock today or somewhere. Do they play today? I don't even know. Uh, Right? Chances are right. Maybe that makes you happy. What comes to mind? when you think about happiness, I love taking my kids, when I can, to Disneyland. Does anybody here love doing that? Any grandparents, parents, or maybe like parents you used to do that a lot, like ages ago with your kids, right? I love going to Disneyland. I love being able to take my kids to what do they call it? The happiest place on earth. It's a blast. It's wonderful. It's super fun. It's always amazing until you go and then you realize every year you go, the prices are higher and higher every year, every month these days, right? I I, I think by the time I get to heaven, churros are gonna be twenty dollars at Disneyland. <laughs> right? Somebody say probably like thirty, right? I don't even know. Churro, it's gonna be twenty dollars per churro. But they call it the happiest place on earth. What's your happy place? It could be, like I said, it could be the couch, watching football, resting on a Sunday. It could be going to the mall and just walking and getting out in the air. What is something that makes you happy? It could be that alone time at the gym. It's refreshing. Whatever it is, it could be your your devotional time. I, I'm not sure. What What is something that makes you happy? Well, when I talk about Disneyland, no joke. We we say yeah, it's a it's a happy place until I, I usually leave and the. It's not very happy when the fireworks show ends and Main Street is crowded shoulder to shoulder and you can't get out of Disneyland and your kids are crying. Has anybody ever done that? Like, it's not very happy when you, when you go back through your credit card statement and you start trying to keep track of exactly what damage occurred. Like, I didn't swipe that. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Right? The thing about happiness, when we think of it in these terms, oftentimes our happiness is based on something very temporary. Happiness, because I'm happy, it's it's about me, it's about what I like to do, and often what I like to do is something that is a party for a moment. It's a temporary happiness. But what makes you happy today? Like I said, maybe maybe you're able to go to a soccer game on a Saturday and root for your kids or your grandchildren, whatever it might be, that might be something But would you write this in your notes this morning? Consider this thought is happiness is always temporary, but joy is long-term. Happiness is temporary, but joy is long-term. Because joy, and especially when it becomes from Jesus and when it comes from relationship Joy is much more than an emotion But joy is actually a condition And it's a condition of our heart And something else about joy It's something that we may not always feel How many of you know the Bible says Your heart can actually be deceptive It can deceive you Joy isn't something we always feel But as we mature in Christ We're called to always choose it Do we hear that church? Joy may not be so much of an emotion, but as you mature in your walk with the Lord, it is a choice. It's a deliberate decision that every day we have to wake up and understand and realize, I have to choose joy no matter what the circumstance. I have to choose joy no matter what I see falling apart all around me, no matter what is going on. Another account of the gospel, the good news. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory shone around the shepherds. And I love this verse. It says the shepherds were terrified. You can follow along on your notes if you have your phone. We have them like digitally there for you. The shepherds were terrified but an angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will will cause great joy for all people because today... In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. You know one of the interesting things I love that this angel stresses to these shepherds. You know, this, one of the shepherds' many jobs was to k- keep the baby lamb for sacrificial purposes, totally unblemished. They would actually wrap the lamb and keep it in perfect condition and it's interesting that the the the, the language that the angel uses to convey to the shepherds this baby this the lamb of god is going to be wrapped and he's going to be lying in a manger would you look at verse 13 suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts they appear with an angel praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. You know, one of the things that stands out to me is this good news, right? Twice now in different gospels we've heard this, good news, great joy. You know, one of the translations for this, it's, it's a phrase in the, Greek, in the Greek language, in the Greek culture, the phrase for good news is actually, it's, it's where we get the word, get this, evangelism, right? It's also a root word of where we get the word when it's translated, it's also where we get the word gospel. How many of you have attended church for some time and we think of the word gospel like this heavy term? Do we sometimes? We think of something like, it's something I can't share. It's something I can't, I, I, there's no way I can describe all this stuff perfectly. I, I hate being on stage. I hate talking in front of people. Right? We, we hear this word gospel and we somehow separate ourselves as if we're unable to communicate it. Well, guess what? The word gospel in its original language, all it means is good news. It's the root word for, for evangelism. So if you want to learn how to share the gospel, okay, the, we, the gospel, we, we, we evangelize simply by doing what? Well, the shepherds would tell you they were experts at it at the very beginning. They just simply shared what they had seen. You can simply share your story. You can simply share the Christmas story and simply just say, hey, this is really, really good news. And it's not going to be something that you just have to kind of be ho-hum about and, you know, okay with, a little crack of smile here and there. It's great news. It's going to cause great joy, is what the angels said. Mega joy, not a little itty-bitty joy. What's the difference between happiness and joy? These are two terms, but we often lump them together, but they are very different for the believer. Happiness is based on happenings. Happiness, to me, it's, it's based on what is happening at the moment, what this grade looks like, what this test looks like, what this, what, this, what this relationship looks like, what this season looks like, what this party feels like, right? Happiness is based on what happens. Joy is based on a relationship. Joy is based on my faith. Happiness is based on external circumstances, while joy is based on internal character and internal relationship. Happiness is based on often the temporary, right? I mean, you think about each and every year we 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 shop and we buy gifts, and I'm I'm not I, I'm no different than anyone else. Like a new gift, a new pair of shoes, right? A new pair of earbuds, like those, those are those make me smile, right? A new whatever. It's cool in the moment, right? But they're always temporary. The word joy for the believer is something that is always going to be sustainable. Joy isn't a passive quality, but it's an active trait. The hard thing is, the heart thing, sorry, the heart. I think I'm, Sean is uh, rubbing off on me with his water, with his water intake. Isn't it weird that a guy that's like a cross-country champion He's ran in the Boston Marathon. He talks for five minutes and he needs water. I don't know what's that. Right? It's just odd to me, but maybe it's just he's healthy, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, man, it's funny, though. It's, it's hilarious. I love him. How many of us love Sean? We love Sean. That's it. Um, but if you're like me, this is how my brain often works. Why is it that we can so often focus on the negative? Why often is it that our brain, it's almost like our brains are wired to do this, like, and it's because we remember pain, right? The, our brains, in some ways, like the receptors, they're programmed to, it, it, it's like we, we, it, we're so good at focusing on the bad. You know, it's like if if your parents, you say one thing that is just harsh to your kids, it's so easy to remember that image, that moment, that heartbreak, that hurt, right? And it's so easy to focus on the hurtful. But how do we move from the hurtful and the things that make us angry? And and how do we move? I love how it says the shepherds, they were fearful. And then it says that in an instant, they moved to joyful. How do we move from fearful to joyful in a moment? Because oftentimes it seems like God is getting ready to stir something up in you. He's getting ready to stir something up in your home, and your relationships. He's he's getting ready to, to, to do a new work in you And then oftentimes that work is interrupted by a visit to a doctor's office. That oftentimes that new thing that God wants to to accomplish, all of a sudden it is interrupted by something in the spiritual realm, right? All the times we see it happen. We see things happen that interrupt what God is doing, how He is speaking and how He is moving. And it steals that joy that we are meant to walk in daily. It, it, it robs us from making that choice, practicing that discipline to choose joy every day. I was, I was uh, enjoying the, the six Christmas concerts that we did, but I actually really was enjoying them. But I gotta tell you, this one was really special Wednesday night. I was sitting with Dave and my brother here in the front row, and it was like a group of, I don't know, they were little people. They were like this big. And one of them, uh, it was a group of like three to five year olds. And this kid, they were singing like Away in a Manger, and they had a nativity scene set up over here. And this kid was just screaming the lyrics. And I don't mean to, and I mean, and he was so serious. And my brother Bryce, he, we start talking to him. Mr. Ralph, is Mr. I think Mr. Ralph was probably ready to kill us. Because my little brother, my brother Bryce, he's all, come on, sing it louder. Sing it louder, and he's whispering to him, right, like, I could hear you if you want to talk to me, Regina, right? And we're sitting there, and this kid's right here on his knees, and we're like, we're like, come on, you can scream it. Scream it if you want to, and he's going, away in the manger, the crib, and we're t- we just keep rooting him on, and I see Mr. Ralph, and he's like, would you guys be quiet? And we're like, no, buddy, you're awesome. You're, kill- you're tearing the house down. And then he, I don't know who his dad was, but his dad was like back where you guys are, Colby. And the kid starts doing this to his dad. He's like, away in a manger! And he's doing, and his face, he's like four, and his veins are popping out of his head, his face is pink, he's screaming. And I'm up here in this third seat, this right in the front row, and I'm belly laughing. Like, I'm just gyrating, like I, I couldn't even stop. I was just, but it, was, it was just one of those moments, it was just so much fun. And you know what? It's funny how, like, I'm joking about, like, that's joyful and that's a fun moment and a fun story. But I remember, like, in an instant, your attitude and your mindset can change. So I leave church about, like, 20 minutes after this show is over. And I literally back right into someone's car in the parking lot. Smack. And I'm just, you know when you're just, you're like, hashtag Joey, learn how to drive. You knucklehead. Like, how many times are you going to back into someone in this parking lot? You're here every day. It's like the fourth time I've done it. So don't park over here, anybody, <laughs> right? Park your car on the west side <laughs> or the south side of the building. Do not park by Joey's. If you notice some dents on that Camry, you'll know, you'll know what happened. But sometimes such little things tend to steal our joy, don't they? little frustrations, little splinters, little things that just come up that are irritating. So this morning, I want to look at some common things before we come to the table of the Lord, some common things that steal our joy. Number one, would you write this down during this month, during this season? Here's what's going to steal your joy. Are you ready for it? Anxiety is going to steal your joy. Worry is going to steal your joy. And nervousness is going to steal your joy. Take your pick, any order. They all will work. They all will accomplish the same goal. Goal and that is they will steal your joy because they will steal your attention. Fearing the unknown will cause anxiety. Spending money you don't have this Christmas on gifts will most definitely cause anxiety, right? Christmas is supposed to be the most joyful time of the year but for many Christmas is replaced by honestly just a lot of anxiety, a lot of busyness, The calendar's very full. I love Christmas, the beauty, the music, the manger, all of it. But when we look at the manger scene and we look at like what took place at that nativity, you know, there was a young lady involved in this story. Her name was Mary. And we spoke about Joseph a lot last week. I want to spend some time talking about Mary today. The reality for this young woman is I'm guessing this journey, this nine and a half month, nine months period of her life it was not cupcakes and rainbows right any mom could probably attest to that with a a normal healthy regular pregnancy that everything went went well right i'm sure pregnancy is is i'm sure there's a little anxiety that comes with that right but are there is there anybody in here who's 14 anybody in here who's 15 anyone any ladies in here that are 13 right can any of us remember back to when we were 14 some of us were like, a long time ago, in a galaxy, in a culture far away. Right? <laughs> it was used to be. Imagine yourself, and if you're a high schooler or a junior higher, imagine, you know, and if you're 17, just, you know, go back to a few years ago. But Mary is around age 14. We know she was a teenager. And think about this situation for this young woman. Think about this nine-month journey she's been on. Even think about the end result in the whole manger scene, right? There's animals there. Um, I don't care how many times you, you clean your, your animal or your dog, they're always dirty to me. Right? Aren't animals, it's just like, like, I can't imagine, like a barn, a farm, I think of flies and smells, right? Animals are just never clean. It doesn't seem like the greatest place to give birth to a son, to a baby, to a daughter, right? We probably kind of miss the fact, we, we talk about Mary a lot, but we probably miss the fact that this was more than likely a very stressful time for her, a lot of anxiety for her, a lot of worry for her, for her. the whole process would cause a lot of anxiety for anyone. She's, here it is, she is engaged, if you remember this, she's engaged she gets pregnant, but then there's this little detail that, oh, oh yes, she is still a virgin. Can you imagine a 14-year-old coming to you and, and mom, dad, I'm pregnant. And, and I mean, you know, one of those, those situations that would come up and, okay, we're going to talk about this. Who is, the, who is the father? And can you imagine this situation? Um, God. Right? I mean, what does she say? The Holy Spirit, um, God is the Father, right? And, and we think Twitter is bad, or we think cyberbullying is bad, or we can get all the information we want on Facebook. Let me tell you this Mary is a small town girl. You don't think people knew about what was going on, right? She's 14. She is engaged, she is betrothed. Who's going to believe this story? She's carrying a baby. And we go fast forward eight, nine months. She has a a two-week or so donkey trip ahead of her. I don't want to ride on a donkey for like 30 seconds, let alone two weeks. Let alone in the final trimester of anything, right? Oh my gosh, mom's in the house. That's a good time for you to say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But she arrives, and not only is, is the ride and the transportation not the greatest, she arrives and there is no hotel room, there, is no, there are no clean sheets, there's no warm water to be had, there's no doctor in sight, but she arrives and, you know, we have a, a barn, right? We don't have a room for you in the inn. And I'm, I always love Mary's response and her relationship to God In Luke chapter 1, would you look at verse 47, and there's a song of Mary, some praise that comes from her. But I love what she says, My soul praises the Lord. My spirit rejoices in what? God my Savior. Mary found her joy in a Savior. Mary found her joy in Jesus. She found her joy in relationship. She didn't find it from that football moment, that Disneyland, Disney happy day. She didn't find it in her her job or the workplace or you know she didn't find it in her wealth but she says my joy is found in my Savior not an experience not a fancy night out in Vegas her joy was found in her Savior here's a question I have for you what what what's making you anxious today what are you anxious about this Christmas what what has you fearful the angels showed up and the shepherds were, were fearful. What are you fearful about this Christmas? What else can steal your joy? Number two, would you write this down? Bitterness, resentment, confusion towards people who have hurt you. Pastor Rick Warren, he, I remember being at a worship conference, and he came right out and he was talking about worrying, and he was talking about worshiping. And I remember he said, you cannot worship and worry at the same time. And then he also said in the same message, you cannot be bitter and happy at the same time. Think about those emotions for a second. They really do not belong together or can be mixed and and infused together, can they? You cannot truly be bitter and happy in that same moment. It's like our brain isn't capable of it. You cannot worship truly the Lord and lift your hands and praise Him and worry in the same moment. Somehow those are very separate things that happen at separate moments. Matthew chapter 1, let's skip ahead to verse 18 if you will. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was engaged to marry Joseph. But before they married, she learned that she was pregnant, which we've said, right? She's pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Mary's husband, Joseph, was a good man, he did not want to disgrace her in public, so he planned to divorce her in secret. I don't want to spend too much time on Joseph. We covered his story a lot last week. But surprise, his his wife-to-be is pregnant, and he... He knows it's not his child, right? It was a big deal. It's a small town. It's a big deal. In those days, when it says they were engaged, engagement worked a little bit differently than it does for us, right? Now it's like we hope you get on a knee, you give a ring, and you ask them, and that means you're engaged. In that culture, in that time, engagement was a big deal. It was a little bit different. It was, called, it was, it was a betrothal. And it basically means you have already signed the contract. It means there is no backing out. There is no changing it. It was a binding contract in that culture. And being unfaithful to your betrothed was a very serious problem. I find it interesting that even before Joseph heard from the Lord, right? Even before he heard from the angel of the Lord, His response, to me, was actually very noble. He said, you know what, I'm going to quietly, I'm going to break this off, but I'm not going to embarrass her. He probably knew in his heart, she is going to hear it enough from all around town. I love her to death, I don't need to add to the problem, right? Before he heard from the Lord, the Lord came to him and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, what, as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, right? And once he knew that, oh, the blessings were ready to come tenfold, but I love that even his initial response was one that was not. I don't see bitterness in him. I see a response where he's willing to offer grace. You know, when we fall into bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, would you? You know what? I'll be. I'll be very honest. Bitterness sometimes. Um, can I say this in church? Sometimes it makes me feel really good. Isn't that weird? Does anybody else relate to that? Sometimes being mad about something, being bitter about something, sometime, you know, it, it, sometimes it makes me feel good, but it never makes me better. We catch that, church? Sometimes it makes us, it, it hits that emotion, like we might feel good for a moment, but it never makes us better. It never, makes, it never brings that healing that we need. Forgiveness is the same thing. Forgiveness is something that, oh my goodness, it sure cannot change the problem, can it? Forgiveness cannot change the past. Forgiveness cannot necessarily change what was damaged or what was lost, but forgiveness most definitely can alter and forever change the future, can't it? Maybe you're here today and I just want to challenge you, maybe there is something that you just need to release. Maybe like Joseph, he just was like, you know what, I'm going I'm to let this go. Maybe there's something you need to let go of. You know, all through Scripture, we can, we can realize that there are times where people don't deserve our forgiveness, do they? They really don't. They don't deserve, what they did was wrong, whatever it is. People don't deserve our forgiveness. But the reality for us as Christ followers, we have never deserved God's forgiveness. We've never deserved the forgiveness that He has freely offered us because of His Son. Unforgiveness, it hurts us. Maybe you're here today because you just were like, you know, I just, I just showed up at Cornerstone today. Don't know why I'm here. Don't know how I, I arrived. But I want to challenge you in this thought. Maybe the Holy Spirit drew you to church today or drew you to the online feed today. Whatever it is to hear the Word, to say, you know what? God may just want you to walk into 2022 with a totally new slate with a totally clean slate maybe God is saying to you today you know I have a blessing for you in this next season I'm gonna unleash something new I have a blessing waiting for you but I need you to let go of this thing maybe God is speaking to your spirit saying you know I have a miracle waiting for you but I need you to forgive I need you to move on I need you to stop letting bitterness Confusion Resentment It's actually blocking the blessing That is waiting you So what are you anxious about? What are you bitter about? What are you worried about? What wound are you holding on to? Who are you angry at? And I think we have a culture we're, it's, it, we're just an angry culture aren't we? Right? We're not, very, we're not a forgiving culture That's for sure These things all steal the joy that God wants us to be walking around with. If any of these things are stealing your joy this morning as we get ready to close, Danette, would you come up and jump on the keys for us this morning? There was a prayer that David prayed, and I love it. If you know the story of King David, then you would know a man that was amazing. You would know a man that defeated Goliath and dropped giants, conquered nations, (laughs) wrote songs, right? was good-looking. But you also would know a man that even though he was after God's heart, he screwed up many, many ways. And after, the, after he had blown it, after he had not only committed adultery, but he decided to also commit murder and send someone to his death, David had totally blown it and he, he, he realized that he, he wasn't the same person when he started out his relationship with God, he said something like this in a Psalm 51. He said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Why is it that the things of God just don't excite us as much sometimes, right? When we first came to know him, when we first came into relationship with him, sometimes, man, it was just easy to show up to church, wasn't it? It was easy to come and serve. I've noticed this even with like people that I serve with. There's this, this cycle that we go through where we come to church and we're excited. We like people. Maybe because we didn't really know too much about them. <laughs> and then, then I got to know them and they're lunatic, right? No. And there's something in us, right? And if you've I, I would say even like for people on the worship team, you've done it for years. Where it's easy to fall into this trap where it's like, okay, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna serve God. In children's ministry or in whatever, right? I'm going to serve him on the computers or on the sound, whatever it is. And it's easy to all of a sudden, my goodness, we show up and then we start serving. And then before you know it, like we're serving, but then we don't ever show up to church on the weeks that we don't serve. I just show up to church because I'm here to serve. These people need me to sing. I'm teasing, right? But it's interesting to me that all of a sudden, it's like that joy that we had just from being in God's house, that joy that we had from serving, all of a sudden it goes from serving to, you know what, I, I don't even think I'm going to show up anymore. That, it's just, I don't, I don't think I have this relationship anymore, right? Lord, restore to me the joy of when I was a baby Christian. Would you say that out loud? Can we we say it like with a sense of excitement? Restore to me the joy of my salvation, right? When we were were engaged, how many of you have ever been engaged? And you were getting ready to get married. How many of you, like, you remember that first year of marriage? George, come on over there. You guys remember that? It was hot, right? There was something about it. You think about, like, there was that fire, that excitement. I remember I used to show up, man. Every time I would see my wife, I had her Starbucks order ready to go. Here you go. I'm in love with you. I just want to be around you because I love you so much, right? I think about that. That's what David's talking about. Lord, restore to me that that intimacy when I was just so excited to be with you. When I was so excited that you brought me into your family. When I was so excited to be in your presence. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. What does joy look like? Well, I wrote down a few things as we close. We don't have joy because of how people hurt us, because all of us get hurt, but we have joy because of how God can heal us. Do we hear that, church? We don't have joy because of what people gossip about or tweet about or send some message about. We don't have joy because of what people say about me, but because I have joy because of what God's promises say about me. We don't have joy because of our past sin. We know our sin, don't we? A lot of times we know how ugly things got, how bad it really was. We can look good here, but we, we know how, how just how bad things can get because of sin. We don't take joy over our sin, but we take joy over his forgiveness. We take joy because of our future that God has for us, not only on this earth, but a future that he has for us in eternity. We don't have joy because of our fear. We have joy because of our faith in the Lord we don't have joy because of our worries we don't have joy because of our anxiety because of our stress but there's a scripture we have joy because of the peace that surpasses all understanding someone say amen right let's bow our heads let's pray god heavenly father we come and lord we thank you for this time in your house god this christmas we ask that you would bring peace into our situations and we ask that you would help us remind us and prompt us to choose joy We ask for the joy that comes from knowing you, not the joy from an experience of a day, of a happiest place, or a party. But God, help me know you in the pain. Help me experience joy in the hurt. And God, we ask that you would replace our pain with joy this Christmas. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. we stream service live. Thank you again for listening.